Welcome to My Limited View with me, Sergio Novoa, where we share stories and expand our views. We all have a story. What's yours? What's yours? All right, you guys, welcome back to My Limited View. I have a very special guest today. I've met them, uh, met this person in LA, probably one of the funniest people I know. Um, crazy, crazy person, should be institutionalized. I will call the authorities as soon as this interview is over so they can come look for him. Please welcome our guest, Mr. Kirk Collins. Hi. <laughs> Hello, Ms. Collins. Hi, Mr. Sergio, how are you? Good, any relation to Joan Collins? Oh yeah, she's my aunt. Oh, your aunt. I love it. I thought you were gonna say your great, great, great grandmother, but <laughs> aunt sounds appropriate. I can, I can see that. Well, thank you for doing the podcast. Of course. Um, Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. No, it's a pleasure. You have done everything. You have worked for everyone. You've done every job on the planet. You had a podcast. You have a radio station. You work. You were a bartender. I mean, seriously, you have done everything. So we are going to focus on a very specific period, a long, long time ago for you. Decades. I mean, hopefully you can remember. So in the first time you fell in love, you were Sister. about to... <laughs> Sister. <laughs> Only a couple decades that I've been around, so let's calm down. Oh yeah, let's let's go with that story. <laughs> Only a couple decades. So we're gonna go back to when you were a teenager, uh, fifteen years old, and I'm sure we can all remember that time. But I want to hear your version of this. What was it like for you the first time you fell in love? Take me back to fifteen-year-old little Kirk Collins. Fifteen-year-old little Kirk Collins. Why I lived in Sackville, Wisconsin. I'm the oldest of four, and I was working at Sockville Dairy Queen, which I helped to open up. <laughs> Thank you. And, um, you know, I met this guy there, and we, he was like the first gay person I met, and I was really excited. I thought he was really hot, um, and he, we were fl very flirtatious right away. Um, and we just started hanging out outside of work and talking on the phone every day. And so you were 15 years old and you said this was the first gay person you had encountered. Yeah. When did you know you were gay? I mean, I kind of always knew, but I didn't know what it was. It wasn't something that was talked about when I was a kid. Uh, there were no really, you know, the first time I remember hearing about a gay person would have been Ellen DeGeneres when we watched her show and then the big hoopla of her coming out and her show getting canceled. And I could not understand why she was getting canceled. Got it. But you didn't know what gay was. I didn't really know. Yeah. Okay. And when you met him, what was different? Had you ever met anyone before that you had those feelings for or attraction toward boys? Oh or yeah. I feel like I always was attracted to boys. I can remember like in kindergarten being attracted to my babysitter and like, I got to put on SPF on him and I was like, Ooh, <laughs> How old are excited. you? <laughs> Kindergarten. <laughs> Kindergarten. So that's what, five years old, right? Four or five. Yeah, I was young. It, or it could have been first grade, but it was when I lived in Grafton. So it was either kindergarten or first grade, one of those two. Yeah. yeah. So at a very young age, you had an idea that you had an appreciation for the male physique, we can say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then have you ever, but you have never seen anyone or interacted with anyone in a gay sense of like, oh, we're both gay. We can talk about this. So this was your first encounter to like, oh, wow, there are others like me. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how long did you guys date? We were together for three years. Three years. Now, when you're 15 years old, three years is a very long time. In the very gay community, <laughs> three years is a really <laughs> long time. So that's actually a huge accomplishment there. And so it's the first time you'd ever fallen in love with anyone? Yeah. Uh, first kiss, first everything. Um, and it, our first kiss was on August 3rd, 2002. And, uh, yeah, it was on the pier in Port Washington, Wisconsin, and it's Lake Michigan. It's this huge pier and you can walk out and we were under the stars and it's very romantic. And it's so sweet. I have to say that is so, I mean, the fact that you remember the date and the way you described it. It's kind of a reminder for all of us who are no longer 15 and maybe have fallen in love or had our heart broken multiple times to go back to the simple time where the, this kiss and the stars and the pier and 
the wind's blowing at a particular angle and Jessica Simpson's playing in the background, take my breath away. It kind of, it's like a total romantic comedy. So that is sweet. So three years. Mm -hmm. Now the, the thing that, uh, the catch to your story is that you worked with this individual. Yeah, right? he was he was my manager at Dairy Queen. He was your manager. So he was an adult. He was an adult. Yes, technically an adult. How old was um, he at the time? So on August 3rd, 2002, he was 20, but his birthday is 23rd. So he was 21 pretty shortly after. So he was six years older than you, an adult. You were six 15. and a half years, yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, if you were 25 and someone is 31, not a big deal. But 15 to 21, there is a big gap. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot, there are a lot of things he can do that you cannot. And there are certain experiences he's had that you have never had. One, and also just age wise, you wouldn't really be having until later. So there is a big gap. Were you aware of that at the time? Yeah, but I, I really held on to a Leah song agent, nothing but a number. <laughs> and I was so like, yeah, we have an R. Kelly fan, everyone. <laughs> and um, I really was like, you know, I'm very mature. I'm a, you know, different 15 year old. Like, so it just makes sense. Um, and I thought, you know, I'm like, okay, this is the guy I love. We're going to be together forever. Um, it was, yeah, it just was felt very fairy tale for me to find him. And he understood me and loved me and was there for me. And um, also like the benefits of him not having a curfew. He had a car. He had, you know, I, I was 15. I didn't even have a driver's license yet or anything. I didn't get my driver's license until I was 17. So, um, you know, he was, it was great. He, he took me places I'd never been. He bought me stuff. He took me to the spa. You know, it was... Um, and I can see that's appealing to a 15 year old. Um, one, you've never seen other gay people. So here's someone that you can relate to. In addition to that, you love this person and they're giving you access to stuff that you did not have access to before. And also right. feel loved. I mean, I remember the first time I fell in love. I was just the best feeling in the world. How did your family, did your family know you were dating someone older? Yeah. So, I mean, I used to, my mom would drive me to school and we would, you know, pretty much talk about everything. And then, so when we started dating, you know, I was telling her about this guy. And at first I think she didn't really think too much of it. And I think she didn't even know how to really handle um, anything gay either. So I think she, it was just kind of overwhelming probably for her in all sorts of ways. But um, once she realized, I think that he was older, my manager, and then, um, I think after she probably told my dad is when things started to turn around. When you say she didn't know how to handle you being gay, how did your family react to you coming out? Or did you actually come out? Because some people don't come out, like everyone just kind of knows. But was there a moment where you're like, hey, I'm here, I'm queer, in case yeah, so the Spice Girls memorabilia didn't give it away. <laughs> it didn't give it away. <laughs> so this all happened uh, pretty quick. Um, I came out July 2nd, 2002. So my first kiss was August 3rd, 2002. So, um, you know, it all happened within a month that I came out. I was like hanging out with this guy um, and it was in summer. So it was my transitioning from Azaki High School to Cedarburg High School. And um, it was very traumatic. I came out, my sister found out I was gay. We were at the fair. I was with my friend Ashley and we were on the Ferris wheel and I saw some guys with their shirts off. Uh, down below and I made like a comment like ooh or something you know you know me I'm still the same <laughs> uh, so I, <laughs> um, I was a little excited and um, my sister didn't know and so then she knew and she was very upset she walked home from the fair went straight away to tell my parents and um, and they were very upset so when you got home did they sit you down and say what is this or what, no. what was it so uh, my sister went ahead of us. And so by the time I got back there, uh, I could tell like my dad looked like somebody died. His face was completely red. Like he was just a mess. I was like, um, everything okay? Uh, my, mom, my mom was like, um, it was just so awkward. It was very awkward. You know, I come home, I'm with my friend Ashley. So um you know, the whole thing is awkward because we don't want to, you know, obviously my family probably didn't want to have a big thing with Ashley there. And, who, you know, they just didn't, I think there was a lot for them to process. And um, so when you say a lot for them to process, did they not have any idea, inclination that you were gay? <laughs> no, they did not think I was gay. I always had girlfriends. 
Um, I had so many girlfriends, right? I was a girlfriend. I was always dating somebody who was my girlfriend, <laughs> even though, even in high school. Um, initially, when I had a boyfriend, I also had a girlfriend. So I had a girlfriend at school. And um, so that was a ploy to keep my pretend straightness moving so you, along. So you were doing that on purpose to keep them distracted. Right. So... Uh-huh. Well, and when you come out, when I came out, I was just bi, right? I was bisexual at first to give my parents some hope. Um, (laughs) But it was a mess. It was a mess that day. My mom was chasing me around the house, trying to talk to me. Um, I didn't. What was she saying? How was she trying to talk to you? Like she's, I wouldn't talk to her, so she's chasing me. Like she's like, Kurt, let let, can we talk? And I'm like, no. Um, Why didn't you want to talk to her? Well, because I wasn't even ready to come out to them at all. And my sister just threw me out of the closet. So I wasn't prepared to talk to anybody about it. Um, I had just come out to um, people like Ashley, who is my best friend um, since first grade. And um, so, yeah, I was, you know, I just was, I wasn't sure how to handle this very unique situation. And there were no, you know, there was no TV shows. There was nothing that really said how to do all this and yeah I just wasn't prepared to come out and I knew my family um wasn't going to be you know excited about it uh growing up I always heard you know gay is bad I remember watching a show with my mom once and it was like a lifetime show or something and the kid comes out and my mom's like oh you better never come home and say that and um my dad you know my dad was always very anti-gay it was so everything and it was back in the day when you say oh that's so gay um, just very negative connotation for being gay. Yeah, and that, and actually that lends a little bit to why you were probably so excited when you met this guy, because parents don't realize that the damage they cause when they say things like, you better never come home and, you know, and I also think when parents say something like that, they have an inclination. My grandmother would say the same thing to me all the time or if gay was in the news, my grandmother would literally say, oh, God invented AIDS to punish gay people. And I would sit here and be like, what? And she would have these awful stories that, oh yeah, they caught this gay guy and they shoved a broom up his ass to punish. And I was just so, I didn't know what gay was, but I was like, whatever that is, I sure don't want to be that. I wish parents would realize the damage they cause when they do stuff like that. Because you are now having to look at yourself in the mirror and you have to accept that you are gay but the only version of gay you know is bad. How does that lead to like a healthy uh, love of yourself when all you've heard is bad? So, you know, at 15, you meet a guy who's 21 years old who A, doesn't have a curfew, but on top of that (laughs) is willing to show you love and affection. I'm gonna run, we're all gonna run to that because that's what we're looking for. So then your family, you deal with the, the whole Kurt comes out, Kurt is gay. And then shortly thereafter, you met this guy. How long between you coming out and your parents knowing about him? What was that window? Um, I don't exactly remember when, my, when I started telling my mom about him, but it would have been during school. So August, we're not in school yet. So September would have probably been the earliest that I started telling my mom about him. And when she found out he was an adult, what was her reaction? Well, initially she didn't really have, you know, I thought she was like kind of happy that I was being so open and honest with her. Cause I remember telling her about like when the first time we had sex. Oh, like, you oh, told I, her that. I, <laughs> I was, so I, was that I was like, here you go. You know, I just was like, I've always been very open. And, honest, like, and if you so. ever need any lube, I find this lube to be the best one. Right. And so I remember after I told her that she didn't really react. And then um, that night they were very concerned. My my family was very concerned. I'm like, what are you doing? What's going on? Who is this guy? Um, he, you know, he sounds like a pedophile. Um, Did you know what a pedophile was at the time? I mean, yeah, I knew the definition, but I mean. I think sometimes we associate pedophile with an older person, an adult messing around with a child. Right. I think when we become teenagers or, you know, we lose track of like, oh, wait a minute. I associate the word pedophile with that. So when you're 15 and he's 21, I don't think pedophilia. I do think, wait a minute, this is against the law. This person's young, naive. This shouldn't be happening. So did they try to do anything to, to stop the relationship? Oh, they tried everything in the book. Um, 
they called the cops. They uh, put a restraining order on him. Um, they they tried every. I mean, I had to leave Dairy Queen after six months. I left Dairy Queen. Eventually, they let me work there again with him. So they fought and fought and fought for a long time. Right? They were like, no. I could not see him, but I, I would sneak around. I'd do anything and everything. I'd skip school. I was, he'd come pick me up at school. And um, there was like no way that they could stop me, even with the restraining order with the police. He took me out of the state. They called me in as a missing person. Um, you know, and so uh, I would just deny everything. I deny, deny, deny. I was like, we never had sex. I'd have hickeys up and down my neck. Um, and I'd be like, oh, that we just kissed. That's it. Um, so he knew, he must've been aware that your family did not want you. Oh yeah. He was interviewed by the police. We talked about like what to say to the police. We, we like basically came up with plans, like how to keep him out of jail (laughs) and to keep our relationship going. And what was your, so your reason for doing all of this is because you wanted to keep the relationship. Because I loved him and I was like, we're going to be together forever. And I just looked at it. My perspective was my parents was trying to stop me from being happy. Got it. Not realizing that the six-year difference does make a difference when you're dating someone. Um, And for how long did that last? Well, yeah, we were together for three years. So probably around when I was like 16 and a half, maybe my parents started like kind of giving up on breaking us up. Okay. So, um, because it wasn't sustainable for any of us. Like it was just, you know, fighting and fighting and lots of fighting. There's a will, there's a way. (laughs) Right. There was like, you know, they just couldn't control me in the way that they wanted to. And I was just determined at any cost necessary to see this guy. So by and, 16 and a half, they're like, all righty, clearly we're not going to make any impact. Let's at least welcome the relationship so we can keep an eye on him. Right. So, yeah. Um, and so they became a little bit better with it. Like they even let at one point my siblings and I all go to a movie with him and um they trusted him around your younger siblings. That is very <laughs> courageous. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they ever liked him, you know, but they were civil and they, and um, they tried, I guess. Well, is this so, where you learn to be civil? Is this, is yeah. this where you got it? <laughs> well, cause my dad, um, you know, he disowned me for the first about year, probably after I came out. So we had so much drama with all that. And like, for example, on the first day of my new school, he brings me to school because I was refusing to go. I'm like, I'm not going um, to this new school. I have no desire to go here. And um, he brings me to school. He walks me into class. And beforehand, we're in the car and he's like, don't tell anyone you're gay. Even if you tell anyone you're gay, if somebody shows you any sympathy or acceptance, it's just because they feel bad for you. They don't actually like you. They just feel bad for you. And that is, um, that's basically why I got a girlfriend at school. When I started the new school, um, I got a girlfriend pretty quickly and I didn't tell anybody I was gay. And, uh, even though I was sneaking around with the guy and leaving, you know, class and school and all that stuff, but. And again, I wish, I wish any parents that are listening to this episode realize the damage you're causing a child a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, don't tell anyone you're gay. And if they like you or accept you, it's just because they have pity for you. Those words are so damaging. Instead of saying, embrace who you are, you're going to have some bumpy rides. It's just part of culture right now where we are. You know, society could be cruel. That's what should be said. So again, it's like, I wish parents could remember the damage they cause. I wish they knew the damage they cause. And those words stay with us forever. And if we don't learn to process it, and really face the trauma of what that experience is, we end up doing really stupid things because we, it's like you were sneaking around behind your parents. So you're doing something that's quote unquote bad. You felt guilty or shame that leads to more behavior. So you became resourceful and started doing more bad things. You know, so it's like, oh, I remember being told as a kid, oh, the way Sergio runs or his mannerisms, things that ultimately damage us. And then we have to be aware enough to do the work. Otherwise we keep stumbling and stumbling and everything we encounter is filtered through this frosted glass that we're seeing the world because we're told we're, we're wrong, that there's something about us that's wrong. So when did you 
So parents, please stop doing that. <laughs> if you have a child who is showing you any sign of potentially being unique in, in any other way, it doesn't have to be gay. Um, and find a way to, to, to nourish that and make the person feel comfortable with who they are. Or if you have a niece or a nephew or, or a neighbor, God, I mean, my neighbor was so helpful in my process of accepting who I was. She knew there was something special about me. And she was always sweet and kind. And it's like that kindness kind of took me the next step. So keep that in mind when you encounter these young, uh, fabulous kids uh, that have a lot more color. Um, <laughs> so how did you, how did the relationship end between you and your pedophile? As I call him. Um, it ended when it, I was, well, our relationship was very um, up and down. So I remember like one point he cheated on me and I worked at Dairy Queen again and he was my manager again. And so then I like slapped him and sprayed him with hot water. <laughs> and uh, so we'd be breaking up and getting back together, breaking up, getting back together. Um, but we ended it when I was 18. We were engaged, I think at 17. Oh, you got engaged. Oh yeah. I was did you engaged. get on one knee or did he get on one knee? Neither. We were naked in bed and at his mom's house and, <laughs> and uh, he pulled out a ring and proposed. Yeah. And what was it like when he said proposed? What, what were you, what were your feelings? I was like, yes, I was so excited. I think part of it was a, a kind of an effort to save our relationship. Cause I think we were um, not doing great. Um, there was a lot of turmoil. There was always a lot of fighting. It was very dramatic. It was always, it was just always like, uh, yeah, tell, kind of telenovela, just up, down, all I around. I, I, you know, I remember like one day we're driving and I'm like throwing out all his CDs out of the car because I was so mad. <laughs> he drove me to the police station. Um, <laughs> we, we were very, it was very uh, wild relationship. Um, what ended it? What was the thing that finally you both said, we need to go in separate ways? I think once I moved out of my parents' house, um, I moved in with my aunt. And he, so I remember like Valentine's Day, it would have been Valentine's Day 2006, I guess. Wow. So we did it for a long time. Yeah. Valentine's Day 2006, he bought me like 12 dozen roses and littered them throughout my room. And um, he found like our ring on the floor somewhere. And so he's very mad. And um, that was kind of like the last it, that was it pretty much. Do you, think then, he, do you think he was in love with you? That's a nice gesture. I mean, 12 dozen roses. That's a lot of roses. A lot of roses. I, my whole, it was great. And uh, one golden rose, which was very nice. Um, I haven't thought about that. I mean, at the time, it felt like we were very in love, especially in the beginning. Um, to me, it felt like love. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think you probably, I don't know. <laughs> so then the relationship ends, and then what happens? You go your way. I mean, you eventually move to California, but the relationship ends, and then what, what happens after that? The, the relationship ends really because of distance. I moved to Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, at that point, I pretty much decided like I was completely done with him and I didn't want to be with him anymore. And um, so pretty much we were just cut off from each other completely. Um, there was an occasional time he showed up at Olive Garden with some guy and would like say hi, come to the bar and say hi when I was bartending. And that was like twice. Um, but other than that, yeah, I didn't really have any interaction with him. And uh, we just went our separate ways and that was it. And that was it. Now, fast forward, you find out how many years later that he had continued dating underage boys after you. Yeah, so I heard rumors. Um, like, I heard hear little rumors in the community. Like, oh, did you see Kevin's dating, like, a young guy again? Or, like, they'd be like, oh, he's dating someone really young. I'm like, what? But I never really paid any attention. I was like, you know, I just was, like, over it. I was, were, were you aware when people were telling you these things were you making the link of hmm he's older now I really just wasn't giving him any thought at all I kind of just like was like move they say something I'd be like next subject I just didn't want to even think yeah. about it or talk about it or really acknowledge any part of my relationship with him and then it snowballed kind of the whole thing erupted when 
I guess, charges were pressed against him or? Yeah, so um, I remember pretty well. I was sitting in class in college. I went to college pretty late. Um, and so what year would that have been? It must have been, um, it's 2014 or 2015. I'm sitting in class and I get a text message from my mom and it was like, um, and my aunt and Barb and my phone started to blow up and they're like, did you see the news? Uh, they sent me like a LinkedIn article and it's like Sheboygan alderman charged with uh, sex with 14 year old boy or whatever. And um, uh, shocked is like an understatement, but it, I, it was really rough because I, I was in class. We're kind of like in groups. I'm supposed to like be doing this project with this group. And I am just obviously like just distraught and distracted and like what is happening. And then media outlets somehow had found my parents. And so they were asking my parents for a statement. And then they were asking me if I want a statement. And I'm just like, it just happened all so fast. And I, and literally my class was like a three hour class. So <laughs> this was just like a nightmare. And, you know, I get out of class, I call my mom and she's like, you know, we're going to make a statement. And are you okay with it? And yeah, very shocking. <laughs> so when you say you were distraught and shocked, what what what, what caused that? What what was that reaction to what? What shocked you? What distraught? Well, like you? just reading the article initially, um, it just felt it just I couldn't believe that he was you know now in his thirties, still dating now a fourteen year old, which is younger than I was, and. Um, you know, I read the, the, it had like the article, like a little bit of police report. And part of it to me felt like um, I kind of was just reading about like us, you know, like it could have just been back in, uh, back in 2002, like, oh, he took him to Taco Bell. Like we used to go Taco Bell all the time. We, you know, did all these things. Fancy. And um, very fancy. And um, <laughs> here's a bad joke. Total terrible joke I'm about to make. The perks of dating 14 year olds is that you could take them to Taco Bell McDonald's and they'll be completely happy. Especially ones who lived in the country from Taco Bell. Um, so at that time, when you read the article and you're now an adult, you're in college, you have a little more life experience. Did you link at that time there is something wrong here. He, you know, I know at the time when you were dating him, you were just in love, you know, happy-go-lucky, but now he is a 30-year-old man dating a 14-year-old. I cannot even imagine what goes on in the brain because I see a 14-year-old and I'm like, oh my God, get away from me. Just under normal circumstances, not even in a sexual scenario. So were you linking like, this is a problem. Like this guy is continuing to do this. Yeah, and... I felt really responsible for it um, because I had so many opportunities to stop him when it was um, me and him. But uh, I was lied. I, you know, we had a plan. I, I. Um, you felt responsible. Give me a little bit more on that. So you were, you felt responsible because when your parents came to you and the police were called, you could have easily said, "Yes, I have a relationship with this guy." And that probably would have put him in jail or something would have happened drastically. Right. So the fact that you didn't do that, that allowed him to still roam free. And I, and I found out, you know, like it said in the article, there were other families that had, um, had to issue um, restraining orders against him. And, you know, it was just a pattern. And um, I just felt, I just knew how much turmoil my family went through. And so the fact that, you know, so many other families after ours went through that. It was, I just was, I was just mortified by the whole thing. And I was mortified to think that, oh, like it wasn't like actual that we just loved each other and, um, you know, all that. Um, it was more that, you know, he's a problem. And um, I was just like the first one that I guess, uh, fell victim to it, I guess, or... Do you know if you were the first one or did he do it prior to you? Um, by all accounts, I believe I'm the first one. I'm the first one that, um, yeah, by all accounts, I'm pretty sure I'm the first one. So they somehow got a hold of your parents. So I wonder how that came about. Like, because a restraining order was on public file. Okay, so through the records they can see, oh, wait a minute, other families have filed things. So then they contact your parents and did your parents make a statement? Yeah, so the first day it's on the news, my parents make a statement, or my, my dad specifically. Um, and that was fine. I mean, it was, it was, I was just, honestly, 
nothing can really prepare you for it. So I don't know. I was just a complete disaster and just shocked and just sad. And I was mourning our relationship. I was mourning everything that, you know, I felt, yeah, I felt very responsible for these other kids and the fact that, you know, I could have stopped it and I didn't. And so then you ended up making a statement as well, right? You were interviewed by uh, TV uh, news, uh, news stations. Yeah. And I had a really hard time deciding if I want to do that or not. But then I was like, you know, I don't want someone else to tell the story. And then at the same time, like, I felt like the other kids can't talk because they're underage still. Um, a lot of them, I believed. And um, I was like, you know, if the story helps any family or anyone, I don't know. I was like, I, sh- uh, I decided to do it. And, and what was that experience, having to relive it all? Oh, my God, it was horrible. Because um, I was still processing everything, too. And How old were you by then? Later, prior to my 20s, probably. So when you say you were still processing, what were you, were you processing prior to your parents con- being contacted? Or were you, did you start processing? Now I stopped that- thinking about him from, you know, the time I moved to Madison, basically, to that point. So a good, probably 10 years okay. or so, eight years. So you weren't preoccupied with processing anything. It's just when the news came. I was processing all of that. I was processing you- what the hell this guy was doing and okay. what happened and how I just was in disbelief um, about it all. So this pretty much was dormant for 10 years. And then the news comes out. So you're having to pick up where you left off, but 10 years have passed. Right. So you I, felt responsible because had you said something, maybe he would have been reprimanded to where other kids would have not fallen prey to his charm. Right. Did you talk to him? Did you see him at all? No. And is that when you finally admitted because you had, you know, you were convinced that you guys were in love, but that when you came out to your parents and basically said, yes, you know, now that I look back. And the, the other thing to remember about this particular story is the 15 year old Kurt cannot rationalize, lacks the maturity, life experience and emotional maturity to really sit with the, oh, wow, this is really bad on many levels. Of course, the, what is it, late forties Kurt now can go ahead and say, with everything I know about life and the logic that I now have, I can look back at that story and be like, whoa, this was wrong. And it's, I think it might be difficult for someone. And based on the conversation you and I had, you struggle with this a little bit because you still feel responsible and guilty, but you're using an adult logic on a, 14, a 15 year old who was coming to terms with being gay, falling in love for the first time and living in an environment that wasn't very supportive as far as being gay. So if you are lacking all this love and affection from home, you're going to seek it. And a predator will look out and see the vulnerable kid, see the kid who is lacking something and go in, you know? So it's, I, I say it's unfair to use the adult logic you now know and put it on 15 year old Kurt because 15 year old Kurt didn't have that. He was just a kid who fell in love but you are now in front of a TV camera and having to relive the story. So everyone gets to hear everything that happened, how your relationship went and all of that. What was the outcome of that? Did he end up paying, going to prison? What, what was the outcome? Yeah, so this went on for a while because I, I was interviewed by the police detectives um, you know, for that 14-year-old boy's case. And then um, I was interviewed by the Port Washington police because that's where all the stuff happened. Cause he lived in Port Washington. So that's where, you know, we had sex and everything. So basically because I was a child, there was no statute of limitations and he was charged with, um, I don't know the official charge, but my case was combined with the 14 year old case. And he got a sentence of 10 years in prison and 10 years on probation, as well as registering as a sex offender. Um, okay. Is he still in prison? As far as I know, yeah. Okay. When is this term done? Because 10 years, I mean, you were in your late 20s when this happened? Yeah, so I think there's just a couple of years left. Um, Do you ever wonder what would happen once he gets out? 
I do. I, I, I fear um, like him contacting me or me like running into him somewhere or something like that. It would just, yeah, I don't even know how. What scares you about that? What scares you about him contacting you? I think him running into you, it's going to require some effort. He would have to relocate to Southern California. It's easy to find you because you're all over social media. So you can just follow the trails of Instagram stories. We know where Kurt is. But what, what are you afraid of if we were to call you? I don't know how, what to say, what I would say, what I would do. Would you want to talk to him? No, I don't want to talk to him. So if you never speak to this person again, hear his side of the story, you're okay. Yeah. So I didn't go. So I had opportunity to, uh, I could have testified against him. I did not. Um, I wrote a statement and a police officer um, read my statement. Um, and then at the sentencing, I could have gone and gave a statement too, but I just also wrote a statement and then they, a police, uh, I think a police officer wrote, read it. Why did you well, choose not to go? It was really conflicting. Um, I just didn't feel like I, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to see him. I didn't want to face him. It was hard to even seeing him on TV. Um, what made that hard though? Because you still loved him? Because the emotions came back? Because you felt duped? Like what made that hard? This was a person I cared about at one point in my life. I fought for, I, I spent a significant amount of my, you know, upper teenage years with this guy and so yeah it's just hard it's really like and then for him to be what he is and what he did and I I just I don't want to see him and I don't want to talk to him now the statement you made in that statement did you say yes I was underage yes he charmed me he took me to Taco Bell kissed me and like you pretty much put out everything that happened that so that helped did you did contribute to him being convicted Yes. Does that make you feel good in a sense of not feeling the guilt of you could have stopped this? Um, no, I mean, you know, no, I, not really. The 14 year old family was very sweet to me. They did reach out to me and uh, they thanked me for the television interview and they thanked me for helping press charges and stuff. And so I, I appreciated that. And eventually I even heard from the 14 year old kid himself and, um, uh, he also, he thanked me too. Um, I don't think anything is going to make me feel better about the fact that I didn't do anything when I could have done something. I mean, I did everything as an adult that I felt that I should do, um, to try to make up for it. But, um, no, I don't think so. I mean, and you, you, you know, when you were 15, again, you were not going to correct it because you were one loving it and you were enjoying the journey. But as an adult, you did make a statement. And people cannot see you because this is an audio thing, but you are having an emotional reaction. And I can see your mascara running. So you did not wear waterproof mascara today. <laughs> but the fact that you are having an emotional reaction says that there is still something you're holding on to. Yeah. Uh... You have to use your words, the camera, the audio <laughs> cannot see your head nodding. I can't. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just very hard for me to talk about. And it's, um, it's hard to relive it. And it's just, um, you know, I don't know. I do feel, you know, I still feel um, very sad about the whole situation. And, you know, I wish I could, of course, see, tell my younger self, like, you know, to do what was right and um, yeah. And again, you're using adult logic on a 15 year old kid from somewhere in the boonies in Wisconsin, never met a gay person. Like it is I understandable, understand. uh, yeah. Yeah. It is understand. understandable that a 15 year old would, you know, would walk into this. So, but you do have to keep in mind that you were a 15 year old kid living in a small town and you all of a sudden the TV turned to color. It's like, whoa, you know, anyone in your shoes would have done that. And you did do something to try and correct it, but obviously that's not enough. And I think when we deal with sexual trauma, emotional abuse, physical abuse, neglect, a lot of people are quick to say, oh, you were a t kid, get over it, move on. Here we are 
it's not that easy. Even when you do the right things and you try to correct it. And did you ever talk to a therapist about this? Did you ever sit down with someone to try and really just figure out a way to make this rational in your head? Yeah. And, you know, the therapist said basically everything you said to, you know, oh my God, maybe, I should be a, maybe I should be a therapist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and I get it and I, yeah. I truly do get it. Um, yes. I'm, I am looking at it, you know, hindsight is 2020 and um, I'm looking at it in a different lens than the 15 year old Kurt. And I understand exactly why everything happened and how it happened. And, um, but I still find it to be very painful. Um, and also just remember that in this story, you're not the predator. You were the victim and he used every tool he had available and maybe he wasn't even aware. So I don't know anything about this guy. We don't know. I don't know what his childhood was like, what his family life was like. I don't know if he came from a good place, a bad place, but he figured out a way to tap, push every button that he needed to get you to come along, not just you. And I think this is, and again, I don't want to make this person sound like a, a victim, but we tend to duplicate what we know. And I'm not saying that he was sexually abused or anything like that, but if he grew up in an environment where manipulation was the way things were done, that's a skill that he developed and he used it, probably feels shameful about it, or there is something off because, you know, they do say people who, who have these tendencies to want to be that far out. It's not a, oh, let me just stop the behavior. You know, this is like next level needs to be in a special place or take medication or whatever needs to happen. So, oh, you know, it's this domino effect we can say it's a domino effect. How do you think that whole experience impacts the way you live your life now? I try not to think about it very much. <laughs> no, 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 not so much think about the moment, but for example, I'll give you an, I'll share something that happened to me. When I was a little kid, I fell asleep on the floor and my grandmother and my brother were talking about me. They didn't realize that I had woken up. And then they're talking, they were saying, there's something funny about Sergio's mannerisms. He runs like a chicken, you know? They said, and I, I kept those words in my head. I had no idea. Fast forward to 30, I do hypnotherapy. And I walked into the hip therapy session and I said, I think I hold myself back and I want to figure out why. So he took me under, it took me to that time period and it took me to that conversation. And I remember thinking now the rational adult Sergio, oh my God, I have been viewing the world through this lens of equating my value and my worth based on my mannerisms and based on being masculine or mask or whatever, we can switch any word. And I didn't realize that in my adult life, that conversation, that period was showing up where I was afraid to show myself because I was told what I was showing was bad. So you haven't gone through all of this. Are there ways that it shows up in your interactions with other people, relationships you seek? I mean, you and I, uh, we get along pretty well and we're both pretty, you know, a disaster, <laughs> especially together. <laughs> we are out of control, but I will be in a scenario which you and I have talked about this many times. And I will say, okay, the food here was terrible and the service was bad. And you're like, it wasn't so bad. And it was awful. They pretty much gave us cardboard and charged us $35 for it. And you're like, it's okay. And I'm like, sweetie, the whole glass empty half full, we need a glass and we need water. We have neither here. So I wonder if that's one way that it shows up where you are seeing the world through rosy uh, petals where it's like, mm, you know, this is actually kind of rotten. Do you have any, have you, have you ever thought about how it's impacting your adult life? I actually really haven't thought about how it is impacting my adult life. Um, no, you have some homework. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, as far as the rose colored glasses, I mean, yeah, I'm an optimist and I'm somebody, you know, I've been through so much that I just am like, I'm just happy with whatever <laughs> at this point. Um, and I give people the benefit of the doubt way more than the opposite. And so it's interesting because you gave him the benefit of the doubt. You imagine maybe one outcome would be that you would be a little more quick to once people start doing bad things and you're like, Oh, wait a minute. I did this for three years. I put up with something like this. I'm not going to do this ever again. That was one of the problems I had. Um, but you are, you do see through world through rose colored glasses, which is great. It's great. <laughs> a little delusional, but it's great. <laughs> and also considering everything you went through and I, you know, you can tell that you are still dealing when it comes to this specific part of your life, there's still some things that need to be processed, whether you need to forgive yourself. Have you forgiven yourself? 
in theory, I feel like I have forgiven myself. I mean, I get it, everything that happened, and I get the 15-year-old Kurd, and I, um, but yeah, I still struggle with it. It's, it just was such a, a really hard time in my life, and I really, it, from the fights with my parents, from me skipping school, from the relationship, it was just very traumatic, and I hated being gay. I did not want to be gay. There was well, just, you're doing a pretty good job at hating. I figured I mean, it out. Yeah, you're no, doing I love really it. well love for hating. I love it. <laughs> and so that time period in my life was just so rough and so school was so rough. Like there's, you know, so it's very hard for me to analyze that time in my life because it was very difficult and I did not want to be here on planet earth. And I um, am happy that I've come out of it, the person that I am. And um I'm thankful. I I have lots of regrets, but I also understand that exactly what you said. Fifteen year old Kurt didn't know. I was so naive about everything, and um, and also you just said it. You were on top of just being a fifteen year old. You were not a fifteen year old living in a big city, where you you know you take the bus on your own and you take the metro and you encounter things and you kind of learn to adapt and you're like, oh, okay, gotta have a handle on this. You were from a small town, you know. So, and again, it's much easier for anyone to say, pull out of it, you're already an adult or forgive yourself, easy words to say, but clearly there is some work that has to be done. And, it, and I appreciate that when you told me your story, I was like, oh, this is interesting. And as we've talked about it a few times, I thought, let's talk about it on the podcast because there will be many 15 year olds who are gonna fall prey to someone's charm, especially if they're trying to escape their home life or trying to find who they are. We gravitate. When you're a kid, you're looking for love and attention. You want to feel loved. And that is your parents' job. Parents' job is to protect you and to feel loved. So if you are lacking it as far as the gay side, because you've never said your parents were not good parents, but you know, you knowing you were gay, gay being bad, that's going to send us on a completely different path. There are going to be 15-year-olds who are going to gravitate to this. We're going to find someone who's like showing them, oh, wow, you have a car and no curfew? Yay, you know? I'm dealt with stuff where someone tried to molest me. And I remember justifying thinking, oh, it wasn't so bad because he didn't go in. He didn't really, he tried, but nothing happened. But I've learned through my years of therapy, no, Sergio, that was traumatic. And you had to build a wall around it. And I remember thinking, who's gonna try next? Because two different people tried and they were cousins. And I remember thinking, oh my God, who's gonna be next? And then I blamed myself, which is what all victim, victims do. We blame ourselves for something that we have no control of. So as someone who's caught, you know, like bad behavior leads to more bad behavior and we repeat what we know, I've discovered things about myself that I didn't like. And I was like, oh, easy there, Sergio. You are duplicating your environment. So I had to recognize certain patterns that I did not like and do a hard, like, you gotta shift. You have to, not, you have to break the cycle. Uh, and it's just, it's never ending. It's, you know, the older I get, the more work I do on myself, I can look back and feel like, oh, Lordy, little Sergio was out of control. Like just, I was a pinball bouncing from one thing to the next. And you couldn't convince me at the time that I wasn't right. You know, and you were saying when you were 15, you're like, oh, you went out of your way. It's like, that's normal. It's like, I did the same thing. I did the same thing for other things. It wasn't, you know, I was in love with someone older than me when I was a teenager, but that seeking love and wanting acceptance makes you do things that a, a person who feels loved wouldn't do, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, it's, so I hope anyone listening to this, if you have gone through something like this, hopefully you heard something in the story that you realize you're not alone. It is not something you just wake up and it's done. It is something that you continuously have to work. But I also know for myself that if you have an emotional reaction to whatever it is you're talking about, that's your body letting you know that there's still something in there that needs, needs to be healed. And at the very least, honor that. Give yourself that, I'm still hurt by this. I am still, I'm broken, whatever it is, to see where your body takes you. I mean, I always say, if you sit in a pile of shit, you have to sit in it long enough to be like, oh, let me get out of here. But don't sit there so long where the smell becomes numb and you're like, oh, this is totally normal. So the way that you reacted, that goes to show that you still need to process something. And hopefully you will. And hopefully as you talk about it, um, it helps you. Because sometimes when you hear it, you're like, oh, I never heard it that particular way. 
and maybe helps you. And I'm grateful that you shared the story and hopefully anyone listening who's been through this can see a little bit of hope and know that they're not alone. And again, if you have a gay child, you can make their, their lives is already gonna be hard, already. Just show them the love. Don't say awful things like, gay people are gonna die, gay people are bad, gay people are sinners. Like all you do is you're creating hurdles for this kid to overcome as an adult and life is already hard enough. So stop doing that people. As someone who went through it, <laughs> the years of therapy that I've had to undergo to learn to accept myself and in accepting myself, recognizing some of the really bad char characteristics that I possess that I'm like, ooh, I need to break that. I need to break that cycle. Um, all right, Kurt, now I have some rapid fire questions for you. Uh, whatever pops to mind. All right, you ready? Ready. What is the one thing you want to improve about yourself? I want to sleep more. If you could get rid of one thing in the world, what would it be? Republicans. <laughs> what do you wish people knew about you that they don't? I'm really good at basketball. There you go. Hopefully just as good as you're on kickball. Way better. I can oh, get the okay. ball into that little hoop thing. There you go. Finish this sentence. I feel most insecure when? I'm in a new situation. Finish this sentence. I feel most confident when? I've had a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> What's your definition of love? Love is blind as far as the eye can see. All right. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? Definitely somewhere in the Caribbean, and I'd probably just stay there. I love the ocean. I love island life. When I went to the Dominican Republic, I saw how everybody was just so happy and just the sun and the water's warm, and it just was amazing. Your happy song is? Oh, there's so many. Um, I think my happy song would probably be Wanna Be by Spice Girls. <laughs> um, what would you tell your 15-year-old self? Don't do stupid shit. Um, <laughs> you will regret it and uh don't be so hard on yourself and uh you're gonna find your tribe well thank you so much kurt um thank you i will plug you in what's your instagram handle because i know you're quite a social media person <laughs> be, be kurt with it be kurt with it um, be kurt with it and you're not on Instagram, uh, Twitter anymore because you got banned. <laughs> we're back um, on oh, a new back. account. On a new account, being Kurt with it. <laughs> being Kurt with it. Cool. Well, I will put in your social media handle. Uh, thank you so much for doing the interview, and um, I will see you at our next event. <laughs> see you at our next event. Thank you, Sergio. Alrighty. Bye. Bye. We, we all have a story. What's, what's yours? yours? What's yours?